You're listening to Outlaws and Gunslingers, the only podcast covering all of America's infamous criminals, from the Wild West to the Mafia, all the way up to the ruthless street gangs of today. Brought to you exclusively by the Creative Control Network. Here are your hosts, the Mouthy Michiganders, Bang and Dang. Back for Outlaws and Gunslingers with Bang and Dang. Bang here, Dang sitting over there. Mm. And another installment of uh, the world's most popular podcast about criminals and gangs. (laughs) Why why are you laughing? That's not... It's not a fake narrative. There's no <laughs> fake news here. <laughs> We're on CCN, not CNN. And Biden got 81 million votes. Mm. <laughs> he did. 82.3.9. All legitimate. All legitimate. <laughs> With that being said, what else? Is, what is legitimate is a subject of today's episode, which... Uh, we told you we're moving into some gang, some gang shit, gang gang. This one's all about the 85 Corvette. <laughs> <laughs> Circle of taillights. <laughs> yeah. Diet do. Moving into gangs after last week's episode of uh, the Zoot Suit Riots. Kinda Zoot Suit s- Riot. Kind of setting Throw this up. For Zoot Suit Riot. <laughs> Throw corn to my cool black <laughs> Setting this up in the terms of... Uh, California and the Mexicans, huh? Hey, <laughs> hey Vato. What is are that, you doing in my body, OSC? Is that racist if we talk like that? No, we got Mexican family. Well, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> uh, my best friend's black. <laughs> <laughs> my sister's neighbor's brother's uh, ex-wife's sister-in-law, he ran into a black guy once at Walmart. <laughs> I said, excuse me. Technically family, man. Right. Technically family. Right. <laughs> we get Christmas cards. <laughs> and that's the sound of everybody immediately clicking off this episode. Too. Oh, come on. To the two people that are still joining us. <laughs> this one's going to be all about the Mexican mafia, the famous Mexican mafia prison gang, um, which we'll hear more about later. But you guys probably know this gang due to the fact of the, the hit movie American Me. Or uh, Blood In, Blood Out. Actually, he's more hit than that. Nah, it's not. American Me was definitely the most the more successful of the two. Why? Because Edgar almost. What was his name? Edward James almost. Yeah, Edward James almost. Yeah, well, we'll get into him later. Edward, um, Edward James. We'll get into that guy later. But uh, yeah, the true story of Why the are we getting him later? Ma- well, we'll see. Is he a criminal? We'll see. The Mexican Mafia. He's which, Jaime Escalante. Which was a <laughs> prison gang formed in 1957 at Dual Vocational Institution, or DVI, in Tracy, California. So it's a vocational institution. What's that mean? Well, it's the last stop for the worst youthful offenders in the California Youth Authority system. So this is the last stop before, like, man, you guys don't, you guys keep messing up here. We're sending you straight to prison after this. You're going to the big time. Mm -hmm. I'm on my way here. Big time. (laughs) Oh, Louis Hero Buff. Don't forget my khakis, eh? (laughs) Louis (laughs) Hero Buff. Hero, Hero Buff? Hero. Flores. Hero. From the Hawaiian Gardens gang was the founder of the Mexican Mafia originally. From the Hawaiian Gardens gang. Yeah, he's the founder of the Mexican Mafia. Nice, oh Luis. Well, unlike the rival Hispanic Barrio gangs, from which it would draw its members, it was to be a covert criminal organization modeled after the Sicilian Mafia. Uh, so, so this getting, dude, this like, dude's like, we're gonna be, we're gonna be the Mexican mob. Right. I mean, obviously, Mexican Mafia. That's what we're called. Right. 
They're like the Italians think they can do some stuff. And mm. You ain't seen you ain't nothing, seen nothing yet. yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> La M.A., as the Mexican Mafia is commonly referred to, was to be a prison super gang in which the leaders of the respective gangs could join together as allies and carnales. Carnales. Which is, which is Spanish for brothers. Other names for the M.A. There's a carna- it's carnales. Carnales. Car- carnales. 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 Hey, carnales. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Other names for the E.M.E. <laughs> the E.M.E. La, La E.M.E. Include the Black Hand, mm. uh, Los Carneras, or Brothers, or The Mob, and other <laughs> euphemisms. <laughs> and other ones. Right. There's, a lot. There's a lot of names. <laughs> in the beginning, inmate Flores' idea was to recruit the most violent gang elite, those with the proven criminal resumes for his gang of gangs. So this is the gang of gangs. It's the gang of gangs. His boys. goals were to harness their criminal talents, to form them into a feared criminal organization, and to control the prison system. Okay. This dude didn't even care about outside. He was like, we're going to control prison, baby. The initial goal was to control black market activities and terrorize the prison population at DVI. Soon the MA's uh, violence and control of criminal activities became intolerable. Like, we can't control these guys no right. more. They just got way too big. Dude. Well, the, it's due to the government what, locking all these guys up. In the same prison. Right. They're idiots. Wow. So they just created their own, and then they just spread out into the streets. Mm-hmm. And other prisons. And other prisons. and Because that's what happened. Not even the Mexican Mafia, just any gang, pretty much. They all, they put them all together at once, right. and then they started getting too big for them. Then they'll branch them out, and then they just start their gang in the other prison. Right. So now you got like 80 then, factions of the same gang and and all over the, whoever, the country. Whoever gets out of those prisons, they don't leave those towns. Not the low-level guys, like the major, major guys if I go back home. But the other guys are sticking there, and then they're claiming their stake there. So that just spreads it throughout. Oh, man. I think you have to be released in your home state. No, you get released out of prison. They let you out of your gate. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know if it's if you're transferred to another state. Why would you be? You get, you're in prison. Right. They transfer you. But they put you there from another state. Right, for you being insubordinate. I don't think they just let you go in any other state, man. I think they. You can go to jail anywhere in any state, and when they let you go, they don't transport you back to Michigan. That's different, but these people are going to prison in their home state and then getting transferred out while they're in prison. They might get transferred back to the original prison. I would would assume so. Can't just have these violent. I'm I'm sure cities wouldn't want all these violent offenders coming to their cities. They're probably like, "Uh, no, you take those those bastards back where you got them from. Right. I get it. Mm. Get it. The California Department of Corrections. Made the decision to transfer some of the MAs, more violent members, to a hardcore adult facilities, mm-hmm. including San Quentin. Oh, the oh. infamous San Quentin. I'm sure we'll have a. I'm sure we can do a couple episodes on that. Definitely in the rock too. Right. Unfazed by this move, uh, MA made it presence. This is literally what right. we just said <laughs> right. before. MA made his presence known by conducting hits in both San Quentin and DVI. At DVI, MA members Dor- Doroteo. Uh, Betancourt, they called him Sleepy. Hey, Sleepy. And Frank, and Frank Bazua, they called him Moose. They, well, they murdered a correctional officer mm. at the DVI. Recruiting members of Hispanic gangs from Northern and Southern America, the MA grew in strength. Southern America? Southern America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, recruiting members of Hispanic gangs. Makes sense, gangs. California thinks they are America. <laughs> right. So. From Northern and, Northern and Southern California. Right. The MA grew into strength and soon controlled criminal activity in both 
um, CYA and adult CDC so facilities. the youth facilities and, and the actual correctional so facilities. It's like the baseball. It's like the major leagues right, and the CYA the is the minors. That's where they get their training in the CYA. <laughs> like now you're now you're up ready for the big leagues, hey, boy. Hey, yo, Jose, you see who got called up? It's going to be our year. All right. Pedro's with us now in the CDC, baby. Not that CDC either. It's going to be our year, Holmes. I can feel it. (laughs) Well, as with every gang that ever has materialized, opposition to the MA uh, came in the 1960s when two new prison gangs were spawned. The Black Gorilla Family, which is the BGF, composed of African-American inmates, obviously. And the Nuestra Familia, which drew from the northern Hispanic gangs and southern inmates. Also entering the scene about this time was the Aryan Brotherhood, composed primarily of white inmates, obviously, which aligned itself with LIMA against the BGF and NF. So in prison, dude, there were no race wars. They were were good. Just because the Aryan Brotherhood was the Aryan Brotherhood, they didn't like Mexicans on the outside. In In the prison, they knew who to... We're teaming up with the most powerful gang, whether well, it be Mexican, black, whatever. Mexicans definitely. I think Aryan Brotherhoods hate the blacks more than right. Mexicans. And But the Mexicans didn't like blacks more than whites. It's ridiculous. Well, then you had the new Estra Familia uh, teaming up with the black gorilla family. Mm-hmm. So you got everybody in the prison, weird. dude. It's weird. Um, each of these prison, each of these prison gangs also had their beginnings in the CYA facilities, but from 57 to the mid 60s, the Mexican mafia alone ruled the prisons. Of course they did. And you know, they ain't having no other mother effers coming in and, uh, disrupting their uh-uh. flow of, uh, dominance. No. Besides Arizona. Isn't that crazy? The, the, pro- the most prominent American prison gangs came from, they're all California prison system. Right. I was going to say, if, uh, um, besides Arizona and Texas, uh, California would be the perfect spot for these guys to do this, especially LA. I mean, you really, I mean, I guess you could in Arizona. Is there a lot of prisons down by the border in Arizona? That would be the only way it would work. Uh, I don't know. Never lived in Arizona. In Texas, there's no way they're doing uh, a Mexican uprising in Texas. Oh, corn. We'll have some Texas stuff, dude. Yeah, oh, geez. Saying. Those Houston gangs and all that stuff. You're right. crazy. Right. But it's not nothing like LA. Mm, I don't know. If there's any state that rivals, California's prison gangs, it's, it's Texas. Yeah, but Texas is just like a little strip along the border. You don't go too far up into Texas. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. It's true. Stamp true. In the early 1960s at San Quentin, Flores and Rudy Cadena, his name was Cheyenne as a nickname. Call, call me Cheyenne. And who is this? Uh, this is the character played by Edward Olmos in the movie American Me. Yes, he is. Initiated in Mexican Mafia. So that's, uh, so you got Flores and Rudy Cadena. They're like. Cadena. Right. They initiated a Mexican Mafia. Uh, in San Quentin. They initiated a Mexican Mafia. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They initiated, okay. In the early 1960s at San Quentin, Flores and Rudy Cadena, they called him Cheyenne. This guy was Edward Olmos in the movie, uh, American Me. Mm-hmm. Big guy. Top guy. All right. Uh, these guys initiated a Mexican Mafia blood oath. Oh, and then here's the term. Which, in effect, bound an Emmy, MA member up to the organization for life. For life. You with us for life, You're, with, us. You're with us for life, fucker. We can say the F word in this. <laughs> Before this, gang members were allowed to return to their street gangs when they left prison. Mm-hmm. Not oh. when, not when you take this blood oath for the La M. Right. Now the only way out of the La M was to be killed. Mm-hmm. You know what they call by, that, right? By uh, enemies 
Or by your you own know, people. You know what they call that, right? Right. Flores and Cadena <laughs> also established a set of gang commandments. Mm-hmm. For internal security reasons, the commandments of the Mexican mafia were purposely never committed to paper. The following are believed to be the current rules of conduct. Rule number one, a member may not be an informant. That's a good rule number one. Rule number two, a member may not be a coward. That's a good number two as well. I mean, that's a pretty strong one right. two's there, right? <laughs> rule number three, a member may not raise a hand against another member without approval from the higher-ups and leaders. I mean, that's common in all gangs. You can't have a uh, mutiny on your hands. Right, you they know? stole that one from the mafia. Well, from any gang, really. Right. A member must now show, this is rule number four, a member must now show disrespect. Not show. Oh, must now. <laughs> <laughs> you must now show disrespect to any member's family. <laughs> screw, screw number three. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, rule number four, a member must not show disrespect for any member's family, including sex with another member's wife or girlfriend. Yeah, you never do that. Is I mean, common um, practice for, you know uh, what I mean? Like, that's, that's common practice for anything. Anybody. Right. <laughs> you don't have to be in a gang to uh, follow right. that rule. Right. Rule number five, a member must not steal from another member. I mean, come on now. Right. Mm, yeah. Common sense. I mean, I like these rules. Yeah. They're pretty good. I can live by them so far. Rule number six, a member may not be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rule number six, a member may not be a homosexual, a sex offender, a child killer. A child molester or a rapist. Wow. Then how are you going to have some members then in the Mexican mafia? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, see, number six is a uh, a little, it's a little hypocritical. Right. Considering, uh, which we'll, we'll get into later, what they did in the prisons. Right. But, uh, but they yeah. don't count that. Well, you don't have to be gay to have... Uh, man-on-man sex, do you? <laughs> I think you do. Well, you don't have to be. Well, no. Not if it's forced. Right. Which would be right. Well, that's not forced, though. Either way. Let's move on. Yes. Rule number seven. Please. A member must not. <laughs> a number seven rule. A member must not politic against another member or cause dissension within the organization. Yeah, man. Like I said, you can't be having uprisings and uh, right. conflicts within the gang. If you're trouble, you should know your place already. Mm-hmm. You, you know it. Number eight rule. Membership is for life. The only way out is death. Uh, rule number nine, retaliation must be carried out if anyone crosses the M.A. No exceptions. None. I mean, when I say retaliation, you just walk up to the guy and like slap him in the back of the head. <laughs> what hey, are you doing? Come on, man. You crossed me. Come on. <laughs> what are you doing? You crossed me. Right. Rule number 10, vendetta must be carried out even if it takes months, years, or even decades. Six years later. Like, hey, man. Uh, <laughs> that you robbery you did from me right. in 1964. Right, right. Hey man, you cut me off. Remember, nineteen ninety. I've had a vendetta ever since then. Nineteen ninety two, December tenth. <laughs> I wrote it down on my vendetta log. It's two thousand eight, <laughs> man. I wrote it down on my vendetta log, Holmes. <laughs> you gotta go. Rule number eleven: If a member of La M gets harmed or killed by someone else, such as police or another criminal gang, retaliation must be immediate. And must be swift, brutal, obviously deadly. All right. They're like, uh, ordinary people, if they cross you, we'll get you. We'll get right. you when we get you. But if you're a copper or another gang member, we're coming out that night. Instant. Instantaneous. Before they even uh, uh, write down his death certificate. I'm rolling straight loking. So rule number 11 is uh, is understandable. Right. Rule number 12. <laughs> well, for a gang. <laughs> right. <laughs> makes, sense for, makes sense in gang context. Right. Rule number 12. It's mandatory to assault or kill 
all dropouts and traders. Right. That kind of goes hand in hand with, with the uh, other right. one. You're there for life. So that rule should not even be. Right. I guess it's mandatory. It's mandatory. Right. No, rule number 13. La M.A. comes first. Even before your own family, religion, and God. Hmm, I don't know if I can uh, agree with that one. Now, that's the one. That's when I put on the con side. And, 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 but so far, there's a lot of pros, so they always. <laughs> <laughs> rule number 14. A member must not interfere with it's another member's business Holy shit. activities. I thought gang life was like, you do whatever you want. <laughs> like, what the no. hell is this, man? So you can't interfere with another uh, business, with another member's uh, business activities. I mean, obviously, you don't step on people's toes. No, no. You, you know, put your hands in my pocket, mofo. Rule number 15. A member must never harm children. Goes back up to rule number Well, that's child molester, uh, child killer, but you don't even want to... Right, can't even right, can't even smack them up. You can't do that, you man. Spank them on the ass and stuff, right? Well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they're talking about your own kids. I'm talking about like you go <laughs> in, and, children, you right? go in uh, somebody's house to get them. You might you don't touch the you don't touch the kids. Never, man. never. Didn't say nothing about the uh, other family members though. Right, uh, rule number women. sixteen. A member must always treat another member's family with respect and kindness, which goes back all the way up against so the right. repeat, the repeating <laughs> rules here. I think they just got like, they were like, what else? <laughs> After they smoked three blunts, they forgot <laughs> right. already. Uh, rule number 17. A member must protect another member from harm. We know well, that. Well, okay. Rule number 18. A member must treat another member <laughs> like a brother. Or a carnal. So let's get rid of. Let's the get, how last about we just three. simplify it to nine rules because. Nine of the rules are the same. Right. So, well, there you go. Now you guys know the uh, supposed rules to be a Laime member. But the top three, pretty yeah. good rules. Yeah, pretty good rules. Uh, very few Southern California gang homeboys resisted control by the AMA. A great majority of coveted membership in favor would willingly put in work for the AMA cause. Of course they would. They want to be, you guys right. associated with this gang, we're going to get some cheese and mm. we're going to uh, benefit from it. Right. And they ain't going to kill us. Right. Well, these Serenos or Southsiders became convenient and expendable instruments to be utilized by the Mexican mafia to further its criminal enterprise. They're pawns. They're not officially members, right. but they can use them to, right. you know, they're like right. backup and stuff. They're pawns, man. You, they right. throw them out in mm-hmm. the front lines. Their loyalty to MA is often expressed by identifying their respective gangs and adding 13 for the letter M which is uh, the 13th letter of the alphabet, or X-13 after the gang name. WFX-13, for example, means the gang member is from the White Fence Gang, which is an affiliate of the MA. Right. Um, Not members, but... Affiliate, right. They're affiliated. They're like... They uh, haven't took the blood. They're they're like... Well, they're like the... um, He's he's a friend. Right. For like the Italian mafia, of the non-Italian guys that can't actually be in the mob. He's a friend. These are the guys that you can hit without having to ask nobody. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What, right, man? Like, he, he was running his mouth. These guys mess up, right? right. You don't have to ask nobody to no. hit one of them. Right. Mm-hmm. In the 1970s, the black hand of the Mexican mafia expanded outside the prison walls. Here we go. As we thought they would. Mm-hmm. It took them a while, though. Mm-hmm. I knew, right? Uh, and evolved into a criminal organization specializing in extortion, narcotics trafficking, and other crimes. Other crimes. <laughs> <laughs> Get the lumped in with them got, others. You got to do it. <laughs> Jeez. However. However. Its main business remained moida. The first murder outside of prison that was ordered by El Ayame occurred in 1971 when Mexican Mafia member Alfonso Alvarez, which they called him Pachi, hey, Pachi. was found shot twice in the head oh, in a secluded no. area of Monterey Park. Uh-oh. His offense? Wait, there's a Mexican Mafia member too. Right. His offense? Collecting taxes and narcotic dealers without kicking up the profits oh. to AMA leaders behind bars. Wow. 
known in the gangs as Big Homies or Amaros. 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 Hey, you didn't kick up no profit to the Big Homie. Fuck that big homie. He's in prison. He ain't never come out. You know what he can do? He can suck my dick. (laughs) (laughs) Dang. So the first murder outside of prison walls was honoring one of their own members. Right. I mean, they had to. Look at the guy. He was extorting. You read the rules. I mean, I guess they're, I mean. (laughs) You read the rules. (laughs) Right. Swift and immediate. He even duplicated some of the rules just (laughs) in case you guys didn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) We worded them a little bit differently, but I mean, come on. Jeez. The person responsible for the murder was Joe Pegleg Morgan, who you guys might know as the notorious white godfather of La Eme, mm. who had ascended by then to become one of the highest-ranking bosses of the entire Mexican mafia organization, mm. even with no official Mexican Mexican blood himself. You guys, I mean, his he, mommy was, the, was, he white. was a white dude in both the blood in, blood out. Right. And, um, I think his mommy or daddy was white, one of them. His daddy. No, he had I mean, no Mexican. He had no official Mexican bloodline. You sure, that's what he just said. His oh, in the movies though, in the movies, <clears throat> I think his daddy was Mexican or something. I think they were just childhood friends. Well, it could be that too. His he connections with cocaine and heroin suppliers in Mexico helped pave the foundation for the Mexican mafia's narcotics distribution throughout California. Didn't they both of them lose their arms or legs? And yeah, both movies. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't think the one in American Me did. Yeah, the one in Blood In Blood Out definitely did. He either lost his arm or leg in both of them. Yeah, I don't think so. Yep, positive. Anyhow, Ramon Mendoza, they call him Mundo. I knew a couple Mundos. You knew a couple Mondos. Mondos, yeah, Mondos. <laughs> uh, Ramon Mendoza, they call him Mundo. And Edward uh, Gonzalez, they call him Sailor Boy, uh, were the first M8 enforcers to carry the M8 gospel throughout the state of California as they systematically replaced local drug dealers with Yami dealers. Mm-hmm. So they're pr- pretty much... They're like the uh, modern day saints, the uh, the latter day saint people. Right. That try to go through and uh, convert people, but right. they're they're actually doing it through force. And imagine they, imagine if uh, imagine if the Mormons were coming through neighborhoods forcing people to. <laughs> if, if <laughs> these are did. these are the forgotten books of Christ. Right. If they believe in doing stuff, aren't they? Right. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. That's like them. Or uh, um, Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh man, that's what the, that's what that's what uh, Mundo and Sailor Boy were. They were just going over and forcefully. <laughs> Have you heard the good word of Lamy? <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of our Lord and uh, Savior? Have you accepted Cardenia into your heart yet? <laughs> <laughs> Flores and Cardenia. <laughs> and <laughs> have you asked Peg Leg into your heart? The only way to heaven is the blood oath. <laughs> uh, anyway, Mundo and Sailor Boy, what they do? They went up, they went throughout California right. Right. to right. replace local drug dealers right. with their own dealers. Right. Between July 1975 and November 1977, uh roughly 2 years. More than, More two, than years. 2 years. <laughs> roughly 2 in and a two third. years and 3 months. More than three months, July, August, September, October, November. <laughs> and a quarter. A quarter. Yeah. Uh, two and a quarter. <laughs> oh, we're such idiots. <laughs> I said two and a third. Right. It's closer than yours. Oh, Between July 1975 and November 1977, over 50. Actually, it was two and a third. Over 50 victims. It is two and a third. Four, eight, 12. So it's not even a quarter. Three months would be a quarter. So it was a, th- was a third. <laughs> Jeez. <we're> such idiots. <laughs> Between this, ju- this episode's a cluster. It is. Cluster monk. Already is. Yeah, what are you going to do? Between July 1975 and November 1977. That's two, two and a quarter years. 
in case we were counting. Two and a third. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cut that shit out. <laughs> Between July 1975 and November 1977, over 50 victims were moited. Moited. By the MA and forces. With the bulk of these credited to Mendoza, Gonzalez, and this guy named Alfredo Sosa, they call him Elfie, and Robert Salas, they call him Robot. All right, Robot. Hey, Robot. Hey, Robot. Take Elfie and go take care of business homes. Okay. During this period, the Mexican Mafia, under the direction of Cadena, 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 infiltrated and gained control of numerous community organizations. Uh, the League of United Citizens to Help Addicts, or the Lucha. Oh, Lucha Libres. Uh, project <laughs> Get Going, Community Concern, Special Program for Alcoholism and Narcotics, Narcotics, Span. Right. And uh, several other narcotic and alcohol prevention programs were system systematically taken over and looted to provide money, influence, and vehicles for Laeme. I mean, I mean, right? It's only a matter of time before they started extorting people. Right. I mean, what else are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. The gang used. That's a pretty shitty thing what? to do, isn't what? most gang uh, uh, people that we've read about? They want to help their community, and now they're literally. Uh, these guys are going into community you know, things to help the community, and they're taking money from them. That's true. I just now thought. Now is what kind of pieces of garbage are these guys? Right. Well, obviously they're murdering people, but I mean, these guys just don't care, right? They're like uh, Venezuela, th- or you know, all shit for, like that, all for their own gain, or uh, Mexican cartels. That's how they are, man. They don't care. Right. Wow. Oh, just like uh, kingdoms back in the day, England and all that. If you're inside the walls, you're good. Anybody living outside the walls? <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. We'll throw a couple pieces of bread over the wall. The gang used these taxpayer resources to buy drugs and murder its enemies. Oh, jeez. Getting money from the government to buy drugs and uh, murder. The Mexican Mafia and the Italian well, Mafia. not the government. I guess the people. Right. The Mexican Mafia and the Italian-American uh, L.A. crime family collaborated in skimming money from Get Going, a taxpayer-funded drug treatment program. By 1977, Get Going founder Ellen uh, Delia, Delia, is it Delia? I think it's Delia, was determined to expose the infiltration of her beloved program. She's mm. like, I can't take this anymore. You guys ain't Ellen, just go. I did this for a good reason. You guys are coming in. Ellen, you got to get out. Right. Shortly before an appointment with the California State Secretary of Health and Welfare Services, Delia... <sighs> Delia was moited. Murdered. Moited. She was Hillaryed. Right. Uh, she was Clinton. Right. Her collection of evidence on Italian and Mexican mafia infiltration of the Get Going program was never recovered. Oh, coincidentally, huh? Hmm. Hmm. This system of infiltration and takeover of self help and gang prevention organizations continues to be one of the uh, one of the Mexican mafia's still favorite doing tactics. It, dude. Till this day, that's because they know they're weak. Right. They're weak. Mm -hmm. They utilize corrupt and gullible politicians, policemen, churches, and attorneys to gain control of these resources. They know. Corrupt churches. Just put that out there, huh? A lot of them. And guess what? And guess what those churches are? Guess what churches are affiliated with the... I mean, this is not a, it's not a racist thing or anything. It's common sense. Which, which, which religion and churches are, uh, strongly related with Mexican culture? Oh, how about give me 10 Hail Marys? Give me 10 Hail Marys, you call me in the morning. <laughs> in the early 90s, Alfred Arthur Sandoval, a.k.a. Or late Ch- 80s. One or, two. or Chato. His name was Chato. A high-ranking MA member shot and killed Gilbert Martinez and Anthony Eceves. Eceves, a third victim, Manuel Torres, survived the attack. Ray and Marlene Wells were also shot execution style in their Ooh. home in Belvedere Park. 
Alfred Sandoval was also charged in these murders. Okay. Finally, in 2000, Alfred Arthur Sandoval, the highest-ranking MA member at the time in California, had his death sentence for the murder of Marlene Wells overturned by the Ninth Federal Court of Appeals, but remained in prison for life without parole. Oh, well, at least he don't, don't get to die. He gets to stay there. No death sentence. Well, they got rid of the death sentence anyways in California, so right. everybody is not dying. <laughs> Around 1992... Orange County law enforcement discovered that the Mexican Mafia was conducting mass meetings of numerous rival Hispanic gangs. Video surveillance of a meeting in El Salvador Park with hundreds of gang members was obtained. Jeez. Several MA members were also present at this meeting. Including, well, if they're organizing, of course they're going to be there. Right. Including Peter Ojeda, what they call him, Sam. Ojeda instituted a no-drive-by uh, edict to all Serrano Street gang members. What that mean? Affiliates. Right. No drive-by. So you can't go and kill them? Obviously. Can't just drive-by them? No drive-bys, man. You got to get out and actually shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> no drive-bys. And you got to do this shit right. like who's a man. Gonna, who's, right. Who's going to get out and actually shoot people? So. Right. Uh, any homeboy who engaged in a gang drive-by shooting would be green-lighted. Uh-oh. And put on the AMA hit list. Oh, and you already know about that hit list. Mm-hmm. Decades. Right. And dealt with the uh, county jail or on the street. So... We're either going to catch you in the jail or we'll catch you on the streets. Yes, sir, you ain't going to last till prison. I think I'd rather be caught in the streets than in jail. Yeah. Who knows what they're going to do to you in jail. Right. Mm. I'd rather... Uh, one in the head and you're done. I'd mm. rather be, right, instead of some uh, makeshift little shiv that probably is blunt as hell and hurts more. They probably wouldn't even do that at first. They might right. just corny and beat the shit out of you for mm-hmm. a while. Man, because those, you know, those gangs, are, they like they like torture. Anyhow, he also ordered the taxation of all drug dealers operating in areas controlled by the MA or its surrogate, Sereno Army. Taxation of all drug dealers. So now they're like, any drug, anything, you're kicking it up some. They should have done that in the first place. Why He's is like, that all right, guys, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tax that ass. Why is that just now being or, or, uh, implemented in the 90s? Right. That's, uh, didn't they kill the one guy for not kicking up uh, stuff in the 70s? Well, Isn't this, this already a thing? This would be an extra tax. Nope. All drug dealers operated in areas, right. so not even by members, just right. all drug dealers. All. Okay. Uh, the, why would you even operate in their territory? I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not going over there. Mm, yeah. All right. The media and many politicians called this a peace treaty, called this a peace treaty, which was, they said, a good thing. Right. However. <laughs> However. It was, in fact, another means to ensure the loyalty of all Hispanic street gangs and bring them under control of the prison gang. I mean, clearly. They know what they're doing. Clearly. Drive-by shootings did decrease, but gang members... But gang murders increased. Obviously. Uh, MA required that gang members exit their vehicle and walk up to shoot rival gang members, <laughs> making misses unlikely and death assured. That's what they wanted. Oh, yeah. Innocent people. I don't think they care about innocent people, but well, they're, they, they're saying the most efficient. They're looking at <laughs> Can you imagine they're at meetings? They got like PowerPoints and All right, let's take, and stuff. Let's take a look <laughs> at the drive-bys last let's month. Let's take a <laughs> we, did, we did 25 drive-bys and 18 were successful. Well, 20, we did 25 drive-bys and we had a hit rate of 17%. Compared to uh, face-to-face confrontation, where it was more likely uh, sixty right. to seventy percent uh, likely contact. So uh, we're gonna, we're gonna. <laughs> so we're gonna uh, just seize drive-by right, shootings from now on. Drive-bys are under no circumstances unless uh, advised by one of us to be done. <laughs> please you must get out your vehicle. Please get out of your car. Please get out of your vehicle. Make sure your gun's loaded and approach your. Uh, your target. Your target. Subject. I don't never like shooting the back of the head either. If you're going to do that, you make them look at you. Well, some people don't want that uh, right. scar in their brain or their eyes. <laughs> mm. 
Not everybody's John Dutton. Right. The Mexican Mafia received mainstream notoriety after being featured in the 1992 movie American Me. The yes, film sir. was co-produced, directed, and starred in by actor Edward James Olmos. Mm-hmm. You guys might know him from Stand By Me as uh, uh, Mr. Jaime Escalante for the East L.A. kids, the Duke Eccles. Stand By Me? Yeah, Stand By Me. Not Stand By Me. <laughs> Lean On Me. <laughs> I don't think no, Stand and Deliver. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> stand and Deliver. I was say, what? With, stand uh, By Me is one with the kids. Lean On Me is with, one with Morgan Freeman the, as the principal. With the Latinos heartthrob, um, <clears throat> uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. <laughs> I've never seen it. you never seen it? No. Actually, I've never seen it in my life. you never seen say, Stand and Deliver? Jaime Escalante. Obviously not. He's a real um, guy. Most, okay, good for him. Uh, most people would probably know Edward James Almos from Salina. Salinas. I can put the bumper in the garage. Say, this came off the... Uh, it was pulled off by the bus of Salinas. It was pulled off by the bus of Salinas. <laughs> I do the washing machine. <laughs> the film was co-produced, directed, and starred in by actor Edward James Olmos. Olmos, right. Who allegedly received death threats by members of the Mexican Mafia for what they considered an unflattering depiction of the gang. Mm. Mm. Now they're like, dude, come on. I thought it was decent, but I'm not a gang member, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> right. Two, two consultants for the film were murdered shortly what? after the film's release. No. Though it's unclear whether the murders were tied to the Mexican no. Mafia. What? Or- two people just that were consultants who were obviously had to have connection to the gang to be in a consultant. Or they're saying it could be about the Mexican Mafia or to the recent layoffs that had provoked death threats. <laughs> so don't make no sense. Or to recent layoffs that had provoked death threats. Layoffs in in the production. Right. So who was murdering them though? The Mexican Mafia. <laughs> That's right. Clearly. And, and nothing to do with the recent layoffs. No. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. No. We know who did it. Because they're consultants. Like I said, in order to be a consultant, you have to have some knowledge of what's going on. Right. Just like Henry Hill was consultant for Goodfellas. Right. And that's the uh, Ray Liotta character. You believe that guy? He does open interviews and all that crap, dude. He's good he don't care. I think he's still under protection. Well, I'm sure he is. People probably don't know where he is, but I'm surprised nobody's tried to kill him yet. He's been out there. There's also this dude on... Uh, because people will be like, there's no such thing as a mafia anymore. <laughs> Except for one of them just got killed not too long ago. Right. Um, there's also this mafia... Hey, what's up with that? Nobody's getting killed no more in the mafia. Fuck yeah, it happens all the time, dude. I mean, New York happens... Actually, no, yeah, it was all not time, too long ago. Uh, there's this YouTube guy. He's supposedly a former mafia hitman. And he goes over like mafia movies and... Does like the accuracy of it, all that stuff, dude. And he's just, he's got two million subscribers or something like that. And he's just talking openly about the mob and stuff. And this guy's not getting murdered or anything. Like, what the hell is going on? Maybe right. they're putting him there. Right. Like this is just another, uh, well, just another vehicle for um, uh, earning. And plus, the more you talk about it, the more it becomes a conspiracy. That stuff really don't happen. Or the more it becomes desensitized, right. so people are just like, eh, yeah. eh. right. I mean, they've been only been doing it for. 60 years, 80 years, 100 years. 100 years, yeah. <laughs> More than that, really, if you want to go back to the 1800s, those are really mafias, I Cecilia, guess. Uh, the Mexican mafia was allegedly displeased with the portrayal of the murder of Rodolfo Cadino, uh, obviously James Edward right. Almost character, um, as being committed by his fellow gang members. Oh, they didn't which, like that, which huh? supposedly never happened. Yeah. 
According to them. Yeah. Uh, Mexican Mafia members were also allegedly offended by the portrayal of a homosexual rape committed by Puppet, a Mexican Mafia character in the film who, in the latter part of the movie, murders his own brother, Lil Puppet, for disrespecting La Hmm. Mm, everybody remembers that scene. I gotta take a piss, sissy. Right. Sad guy. Just got married and... Shit happens, bud. Well, he was the one that put him in prison. All right. Well, almost uh, subsequently applied for a concealed handgun permit. He was like, yeah, I need me a gun, which was denied. <laughs> While serving a life sentence. I wonder why. Did right. he, why? I don't know. Why was he denied? Yeah, he's right. an actor and all that good stuff. Right. He must have done something in his younger days. Mm-hmm. Well, it's California, though. So. Right. While serving a life sentence for murder at Pelican Bay State Prison, Joe Pegleg Morgan filed a $500,000 lawsuit against almost... Universal Studios, and other producers of this American Me film. Morgan claimed that one of the principal characters in the film was based on him without obtaining his permission. Well, I think if you're state property, they can do whatever they want. Uh, right? yeah. Who cares if you can if you base somebody on somebody? Who gives a shit? I don't think that's like rights for, uh, as long as you're not naming them. Man. I can think of like 12 movies that's based on me. I can't think of them. I mean, I can probably look up 12 movies that are based on any Anybody can Oh, that's based on me. Well, there's more than 12 movies with characters that are pieces of shit. Ah! <laughs> 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 in 1998, United States federal authorities indicted, 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 indicted. <laughs> 22 members and associates of the Mexican mafia charged under the federal RICO Act with crimes which included extortion, murder, and kidnapping. One of the arrested members, Benjamin Topo, Tapo Peters, uh, was allegedly the Mexican Mafia's highest-ranking member at the time and oh. was engaged in a power struggle with a fellow member, Ruben Tupi Hernandez. Oh, so we got Topo and Tupi. Right. Uh, yeah, right. Tupi Topo. <laughs> Another indicted member was accused of having plotted the death of an anti-gang activist who served as a consultant on the film American oh, Me. Oh, no, yeah, huh. of course. Uh, the indictments marked a two-year investigation by federal, local, and state law enforcement officials. I mean, come on. you got to know something like that was going to happen. Right. 2006. Well, now, now we're getting a bunch of indictments here. Right? right. 2006, a 36 count federal indictment was brought out against members of the Mexican Mafia. The arrests were made for alleged acts of violence, drug dealing, and extortion against smaller Latino street gangs. <laughs> oh, so what? Oh, jeez. So what? Hey, man. They can't extort illegal. <laughs> I mean, come on. Everything's illegal, so you can't <laughs> give them that. Get out of here. Extortion for street gangs. According to the federal indictment, Mexican mafia members exert their influence in both federal and state prison systems. Obviously, we, they known that for like 50 years now. Uh, through either violence or the threat of violence. I mean, it's mostly violence. There's no threat. Members and associates of the gang remain fiercely loyal to the criminal organizations both in and outside of prison, particularly in Southern California cities such as L.A. and San Diego. Oh, you know San Diego. Well, the gang asserts its influence over Chicano gangs throughout Southern California by threatening violence against their members should they ever become incarcerated. Hey, better not end up in prison homes. Right. Gangs and drug dealers who refuse to pay a protection tax to the Mexican Mafia are often murdered or threatened with murder. Mm. High-ranking members of the Mexican Mafia who are locked up in private cells for 23 hours of each day are still able to communicate with their associates through methods which range from tapping in code on prison plumbing pipes to smuggled letters. Right, of course. They're always going to have... Right. The primary goal of the Mexican Mafia is to control all drug trafficking in all areas that they have been established. I guarantee you some of them have cell phones. Oh, do you know it? Right. From 2000... From the guards. Right. From 2010 to 2011, the Mexican Mafia and Los Zetas engaged in a... Los Zetas? That's the cartel, dude. Uh, They engaged in a bloody and brutal war against each other over turf and drug territories. And conflict between both organizations staggered on with... 
with tit for tat retaliations and murder. So there's like, all right, we'll mm. just do that. This, this petty shit. And there were many drive-by think, shootings, I think, bombings. I don't think there's any of that's petty. <laughs> it's all petty. <laughs> it's not petty. Tit for tat murders. <laughs> right, it's all petty. It's a petty murder. <laughs> I guess. Uh, there were many drive-by shootings, bombings, assassinations, kidnappings, shootouts against each other. Jeez. Jeez. Mid-2011, both sides agreed to end the war and make peace. <laughs> They're like, come on, man. What was we doing? We're doing well, nothing. Because by the time mid-2011 has come by, those Los Zetas, you know, you have all the other cartels that are right. in the... Mexico trying to take control. Los Angeles was like, I got time for the Mexican mafia. Right. We got right. other fish to fry. <laughs> I got stuff to take care of down here. <laughs> in early 2012, there was a federal indictment of 119 San Diego County gang members, including a Mexican mafia boss that, boss, <laughs> boss that was arrested in a raid of a San Marcos home. Oh. It revealed a sprawling, well-organized criminal or network that ran drug dealing on the streets of North County and even extended into the Vista into the Vista Jail. Into the Vista Jail. Well, of course it did. Uh, Rudy Crazy Espudo. Uh, part of the Escovario Diablos from Escondido, California, was in control of the Hispanic gangs in the area and forced drug dealers to pay taxes in tribute to La M or face the consequences. I mean, this is all typical gang banging stuff here. Gang banging, dude. That's all we're hearing here, man. But a lot more murders. A lot more murders in the. A lot more violence. A lot more violence in in the recent years, dude. Right. The local gangs were smuggling narcotics into the Vista Detention Center in order to sell them for the Mexican Mafia. On the North County streets in Miami, the Miami ordered Serranos to obtain taxes from the local drug dealers. Members of the Azusa. Jeez, they're still? All right. They had to order them again to get taxes from the local drug dealers? Like, how much? Are you guys not uh, enforcing that rule consistently or what? You get more and more coming in. Right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, members of the Azusa 13 gang associated with the Mexican Mafia were indicted in 2011 for harassing and intimidating black people <laughs> in Southern California. Jeez. Oh, also in 2012, federal prosecutors charged more than two dozen people with racketeering, racketeering conspiracy, alleging that they were involved with South Los Angeles gangs controlled by high-ranking member Danny Roman from the state supermaximum Pelican Bay State Prison. Hmm. So he's giving orders in the prison. He was right. serving a life sentence for first-degree murder from Los Angeles County, which was 700 miles away. Ooh-wee. Danny Roman. So this is like... Uh, you know you got some power if you're telling people 700 miles away. Right. High-ranking member guy. Right. Well, Roman wasn't charged, but prosecutors said he was controlling a dozen gangs. He include- wasn't charged for the racketeering right. stuff. Right. Right. So he said, well, this guy's like he's controlling already in, He's already gangs. in prison for life, so right. what are they going to do for him? Including one that extorted vendors at a swap meet and another that targeted students at the University of Southern California in drug trafficking, Jeez. killings, and robberies. USC, yeah. Like, you go to USC and you do things there. Please. They alleged that Roman was passing orders to his daughter and son-in-law. Who in turn directed gang members? Of course. Investigators said Viana Roman used coded language to give information to her father and to get instructions from him during visits at the prison in far northwest California. Okay. Far northwest California. She would then pass them to members of the Harpies Street Gang, who prosecutors said oversaw crimes both in their own territory and the broader area Roman controlled. That included collecting tax payments from Latino gangs under his control, prosecutors said. Uh-huh. His daughter was sentenced in 2015 to 15 years in federal prison, wow. culminating in an investigation that federal, authority, federal authorities dubbed Operation Roman Empire. Really? She went to federal prison. She got yeah. carpets and TVs right. and all that shit, dude. Nice. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Mexican Mafia, the Mexican Mafia gang took a big hit in 2018, though, when 500 law enforcement officers coordinated an effort to arrest 32 gang members for selling drugs inside L.A. prisons. 
Using the federal RICO laws, officials sought to break up part of the uh, Mexican mafia stronghold on drugs flowing into the jails and gang leaders control of underlings, underlings from maximum security prisons. I mean, mm. you can't. It's not going to happen, dude. Charges included extortion of other gangs, drug sales. Uh, <laughs> how do you how do you get a charge? How do you get a charge of extorting illegal activities? Right. Anyways, <laughs> right? Criminal conspiracies and orders of violent retribution for noncompliance. So the same stuff they've been hitting these guys with for, for years. twenty years now. Right, more than that. Right, jeez. Well, on June tenth, twenty twenty, Danny Roman was killed at the oh. substance abuse treatment facility and state prison in Cor Cor Corcoran. Uh, he was pronounced dead of multiple stab wounds to his face and body oh. within minutes after officials say he was assaulted by two fellow inmates, Raul Alvarado and Edward Cisneros. Oh. Uh, a retired prison gang investigator, Matthew Butchner, says if this was not a sanctioned Mexican mafia hit, then the retaliation for having one of their members hit is going to be significant. Mm -hmm. uh, so for the safety of all the other inmates, I don't wish to downplay a Roman's demise, but hopefully it was internal house cleaning or there will be a lot more bloodshed. Right. They were hoping that this came from higher ups. Right. They're like, please, let's see. That, that like and mirrors, mirrors um, American meat. Right. And took out the high level guy. Or did right. they, though? What, I don't know. Have we heard of any uh, prison gang murders since then? Uh, I mean, if we actually look, I'm sure. Once labeled as a law enforcement myth. Well, I did look. This was the latest um, killings or crimes that are contributed to these guys. So, right. Once labeled as a law enforcement myth. Or contravents by community activists. Contrivance. Right. This secret organization <laughs> has been dragged into the clear light of the courtroom and is now recognized by the media and the general public as a diabolical criminal gang. Yeah, pretty diabolical, I would say. It took seven, 70 years. All right. <laughs> Law enforcement believes that Lahame presently is not presided over by a single leader. Right. I believe that. Maybe two or three, four or five. Many Mexican mafia members have the authority to order murders and oversee various other criminal activities. Right. So they, it's pretty much whoever controls the territory can do right. whatever they want. They have almost a thousand associates that help carry out these orders and have uh, the theoretical control of all Sedano gang members. So basically mm. it's still the same. Right. Members are expected to engage in tests of their loyalty to Lame, which they may include uh, theft or murder. Clearly, it's like it's like a panel now of like probably six to eight people. I doubt more than that. Like I said, it's probably whoever controls the territory. Right. Whoever's so the territory boss, he's he's doing his own stuff. As long as he's kicking it back up to the gang gang. Right. Right. You know? I can see that. Like the high-ranking members in prison and all that stuff. Right, I can see but that. But he can go out and control his own territory, order murders, and do whatever he wants, pretty much. And you don't have to, he don't have to ask. Right. Crazy, dude. Mm -hmm. Well, the penalty for refusing orders or failing to complete an assigned task is often death, obviously. It has to be. According to the gang's con constitution, members may also be punished or murdered if they commit any of the four major infractions. We know Any this. of four major infractions. These include becoming an informant, acts of homosexuality, acts of cowardice, and showing disrespect, disrespect against fellow gang members. Mm -hmm. According to gang policy, a member of the Mexican mafia may not be murdered without prior approval by a vote of three members. Mm -hmm. So that's what it is. It doesn't matter who the members are. You can get three members together, and they all vote right. yes, and you just kill somebody. But yet the murder of non-members requires no formal approval. I mean, they would like it if they if everybody knows this nah. person. Yeah, I wish you would have let me know. Nah, just nah. go out and kill him. But a go. member, all you got to do is get three members to say, yeah, right. kill him. Right. Mm. Mm. Government officials state that there are currently 400 to 500 official members of the Mexican Mafia with around 1,000 associates who also carry out its illegal activities in the hopes of becoming full members to this day. To this day. Uh, there's probably way more than that. Four to 500 official? Nah, probably not. 
they keep track of that. Do they? Of course. Most and there's got to be more than a thousand associates, and that's definitely not keeping track of. Four or five hundred official members. Official members, but a thousand associates is good more than that. Uh, maybe. Uh, you're talking Chicago, L.A. I don't think Mexican Mafia is in Chicago. No, it definitely is. I don't think so. Mm, definitely is. Um, if you guys want to see like a literal rundown of every little tiny in, uh, uh, in, instance, or I don't know what the word I'm trying to say, of what these guys have done, you can go to gangsterreport.com, and it literally lists from like 1950 to up till now of small infractions of not only murder, but just stupid stuff that this gang's done. Hundreds of stuff that you can look up crimes and all that stuff that these guys, I mean, it's, it's, it's literally, uh, hundreds and hundreds of things that you can look up. So it's gangsterreport.com if you want to look up any more on the Mexican mafia. And that's going to do it for today's episode on the Mexican mafia. Maybe next week thinking about doing, um, maybe the vice lords. Who are those? Uh, the second largest gang in Chicago, a black gang. So, uh, what years? Now, no, we from that the, now from the forties to no from forties to now, so yeah, I don't know. It'll be a gang of some sort, I'm sure. Um, yeah, not really sure how this episode went because when uh, <laughs> 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 you're pronouncing things that uh, you don't know how to pronounce, and then I mean, what are you gonna do? Thrown off. I'm sorry. Mean, yeah, so we'll be back next week. We're not sure what it's, it's gonna be. Some. Uh, <laughs> It's going to be some Eminem, Eminem shit. It's going to be some sort of gang. Uh, don't know what, don't know when, and don't know how, but we'll be back next week for that. In the meantime, go check out, if you're a fan of wrestling, we do the Monday Night Watch Along where we went back from the first episode of WCW Monday Nitro way back in 1995. At we the watch, Minnesota. Uh, at the Mall of Mall America. Mall of America, mini. We watch the main events of both Raw and Nitro and uh, main events of every pay-per-view in between. We give them our own scores of uh, what we how we liked it, and we decide who really won the war uh, of the Monday nights. So that's uh, the Monday Night Watch Along, wherever you are. Get your podcast. We are on, I think, week 113 right now. We just got past uh, the debut of Kane. Kane! It's got to be Kane! And so that stuff's hyping up. We're... Heading towards the Montreal Screwjob, and we've said it a hundred times, Starcade, Sting, Hogan, all that good stuff. So Monday night, watch along wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be back next week. So the Mouth of Michiganders with Bang Dang. Bang.